0: Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends. In a world of video
1: stores and late fees, when movies ain't what they used to be, one podcast will change the world. They will embark on a journey to look at the good and bad movies from the golden era of home video, and things are about to get
0: nostalgic.
1: The VHS will rise and the screaming
0: will fall.
1: Whoa, 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 Dave! This has got to be the worst promo I have ever heard. No, it isn't. You're going down the route of the video trailer, man, Dave. I want a training montage. Coming soon on a podcast near you. And if you listen to one podcast this week, then
0: you're probably listening to Joe Rogan. But if you've exhausted all of the podcasts, then the VHS Strikes Back is one to try. Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone is geek about something. I'm your super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Today's guest producer is Tony Farina of Indie Comic Spotlight and Pop Gorillas. A big thank you to him. After you've listened, head to the show notes where you'll find the episode he did with our guest a short while back. Let's get started.
1: Hi, my name is Ibrahim Mustafa and I'm a comic book writer and artist from Portland, Oregon. Uh, you may know my work from the image book High Crimes. Or uh, my book Count for Humanoids Or my new book uh, Retroactive I've also done work on
0: uh, James Bond for Dynamite You oh, are basically living a dream I think is what people will hear
1: I mean, it, I'll tell you man uh, James Bond was a dream for sure I, I literally had dreams about making James Bond comics At points in my life So <laughs> getting to do that was, was pretty surreal
0: That's brilliant because uh, obviously I did the the very basic levels of Googling you. And um, when it comes up with your name, Google has the little thing in the right-hand corner and it starts listing your books. And I think it showed your four most recent. And then it said plus 35 more. I mean, you've got quite <laughs> a, a busy schedule that you've put your name to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think some of that might be different versions of the same thing too, but I've... I've uh... I did the math recently, and I've drawn something like 10,000 uh, published pages, I think, or not 10,000. I'm sorry. Was it? Te- it wasn't 10,000. It was a. It was a huge number. I don't know where I'm, where I'm getting 10,000 from. I think it was maybe a <laughs> thousand. I think hey, I added a zero on that.
0: Say 10,000 confidently. I'll believe you. I'm there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I'm still processing my coffee. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was 1,500 pages. I want to say. Got ten
0: thousand—that'd be something, huh? Yeah, that's <laughs> still a lot, though. Fifteen hundred—that is still a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've I've been drawing uh a lot for about a decade now.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, because you've um, you mentioned some some of them there, but you've also done drawing for DC. You've done Marvel. You, you've you have. I mean, I, I said it before. I'm going to say it again: living your dream your name is associated with all this, the companies that people aim to tick off in their lifetime. Yeah.
1: Thank you, man. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Once you hit that goal, you kind of, I I mean, for me personally, I've, I've sort of recalibrated and, and, you know, you you kind of become more inured to the industry and, and the inner workings of things. And you, you know, I've started to realize like I I want to do more of my own stuff, um, and so it's a it's a cool thing to you know because sometimes you reach a goal and you you go I oh, God I never really thought about what comes after this you know <laughs> like what, what am I gonna do after, you know once I hit the the at least summit the mountain or whatever but uh, yeah that's the nice thing about comics it's like it, there's possibilities are pretty endless it's just kind of up to you and your imagination so I've really leaned into writing and drawing my own stuff and, and, you know, telling stories that like you can only tell um, when you're not sort of doing like IP work for other companies, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause retroactive, um, I haven't had a chance to read yet, but I've been looking at, and it's, well, I listened to the episode you did with Tony, um, Indie comic spotlight, friend of the show. Um, And his description was very apt it's like that question of if you could turn back time and kill hitler would you (laughs) ta-da i mean it's a great (laughs) again it's like what tony says you can do so much more in comic books because your budget is endless and you've used that to a great degree
1: it's funny you know we i don't know if this will make the show but we were joking before we started that we weren't going to talk about world war II, and here we are (laughs) um yeah no and you know bless tony what a what a nice guy and what a what a fun conversation that was um yeah i i love time travel so retroactive is my new book it's I describe it as kind of james bond meets groundhog day it's about like a a spy who works for a a time travel uh, agency essentially like the the mi6 of time travel and um uh the you know there are these anomalies in the timeline that he has to go back and, and try to stop before they change history with you know essentially the job description but uh the bad guys stick him in the time loop and so he gets stuck in there has to figure out his way out um and one of the things i did early on in the book uh in in the opening sequence was to sort of answer the question of like would you go back and kill hitler you know So somebody's trying to and they have to, they're actually charged with stopping it because, you know, it would disrupt the timeline as it stands. And that's kind of the first seed in our main character Tarek's mind, you know, where he's starting to question what they actually do there. And if it's if it is the right thing, you know, like if you could kill Hitler, shouldn't you, you know, and and uh, this sort of disillusionment starts to grow out of that.
0: Where did that the first idea of the book come from? Is it something you've been looking at for a while, or is it as as we say, as you get older, you think about World War Two? Is natural.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I you know I love um, I love time travel stories, and I love time loop stories as a subgenre of time travel. Um, you know, Groundhog Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and I I, I wanted to see if i had a a take on one of those and i initially started with me thinking like what if you know i live a very quotidian life i'm you know every day is more or less the same you know as as many of ours are with our routines and our jobs and and responsibilities and and i thought what if somebody's job was to kind of live in the same day over and over again like what if they were just kind of a day player in the background of some larger thing whether it be like a you know some kind of a a prison manipulation on somebody or you know just some kind of agency that has to ensure that the a day happens exactly as it was supposed to over and over again and so this person is like a bit player and in, in making sure that happens and then from there i kind of just extrapolated on what the story of something like that would be and i ended up following a sort of a different path and that you know I didn't want to draw the same day over and over again. Like, I just thought that would be like, oh, (laughs) so boring. (laughs) And also, you know, the ideas that I started to get excited about shifted more toward like the espionage angle of it. And, you know, what if there was like a, you know, an actual government agency whose job this was, and, you know, time travels, this sort of government secret between a few world superpowers that have the technology. And so the general public isn't aware of it. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I just sort of—I think my love of of espionage stories, like Bond, things like that, kind of seeped into it. And I thought of it on a larger scale of how it could be more of a, you know, kind of a spy thriller, a spy-fi thriller, if you will. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's kind of how it all came about. And then from there, it was just about figuring out rules to time travel that would make sense, you know, as far as time travel does, and and not give readers a headache, and you know uh keeping it simple so <laughs> it's very easy to get lost in the weeds of it all right and um i set out to make it very simple you know you can only go back to one point of the past and then return to the point that you left so it's you know i didn't want it to be a sort of deus ex machina of you know this sort of mcguffin of oh you just type in coordinates into a watch and you can go anywhere because then like well who cares at that point if if anything's possible then you know so i I wanted the buy-in to be easy enough for people and and there's a really um personal part to the story for the main character you know he's he's got a mother with dementia and and he's you know charged with taking care of her while also doing this extremely difficult job and and so you know he he kind of has her as a touchstone um and you know her her dementia plays into what he goes through mentally as he's stuck in this loop, he's wondering: Am is this hereditary? Am I, you know, is this just the time loop affecting me? uh Am I not? You know, they have to take meds for their what I call drifting when they when they travel through time um to sort of counteract some of the effects. And so he's without his meds, stuck in this loop forever. So, um you know, I wanted people to when you're dealing with something as far fetched as time travel, like I, I feel like you really have to have a a grounding element for people to, to hold on to. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind me asking, is that something that you've got personal experience with in your family dementia at all? Or has that come from research?
1: Yeah, a little bit, man. My great grandmother had it. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately, I mean, she was always very sort of chipper and, and even though she didn't know what was going on, she was in a good mood. And, uh, I think that was just, a huge help for her because I can only imagine how confusing that must be. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so I've, I've had a bit of experience, you know, I was, I was younger. I was probably in my late teens, uh, when she started to really kind of have the onset effects of it. And then, uh, she passed away in my mid twenties. So I definitely dealt with it a bit as an adult. Um, and my, my family lived in another state. Um, about about a three hour drive north of where i live and uh and so as soon as i was like able to drive and out of school i would i would go up there about once a month just to you know see her my great-grandfather and and um spend time with them and you know try to do whatever i could that they needed outside the realm the scope of their you know caregivers in the in the you know senior care facility they were in so yeah that definitely played a part in in the book itself and just kind of trying to you know make it as authentic as i could
0: Hmm. so it's a real personal project then not only for your the things that interest you but the experiences you've had in life
1: yeah and you know the the main character is uh middle eastern as am i and uh that's something that was important to me from a representational standpoint Hmm. you know i don't actually come out and say it in the book like you know what his ethnicity is but it's pretty obvious you know (laughs) Uh, but i don't make it a you know, it's not a, a point to hang anything on necessarily. It's just like he just is. And I think that that's something that we're seeing more in uh, entertainment and fiction now, which is nice, is that there's a little less. Uh, there's more representation and it's less uh, for a reason than it is just because that's how the world is, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, we don't really have like a like, a you know, James Bond, Ethan Hunt style. Lead character that's, you know, uh, a different ethnicity other than a white guy. So like, I you know I I was and I mean not to say that I'm starting something that is on par with those characters, but um, you know it, we're in an era where things are getting adapted into films and TV shows and whatnot quite a bit, and and it's kind of my hope that I can help normalize seeing you know quote unquote others in roles like that um, in fiction uh and you know in my own little way so yeah definitely a very personal project on top of just my sort of general interests
0: yeah yeah it is important that that people feel that they're represented in a way that is normal and not with finger pointing and we're doing this and we're doing it because right. of this
1: yeah it, i'll tell you man you know there there's a show called rami uh by a comedian rami yusuf uh it's on um, Hulu. And, you know, it's one of those shows where like a comedian gets a show and it's sort of loosely based on their lives, but also heightened for, you know, entertainment purposes. But he's Egyptian and, uh, you know, I'm Egyptian as well. And I've I've just never seen myself represented in that way. You know, like he's just like a regular guy living in middle America, you know, with this you know, these family eccentricities that are so specific to, they're they're both specific to my experience, but also just very general. Like it's, you know, everyone's got family stuff like that on some level. And so, um, you know, seeing it represented in that way, I mean, it brought me to tears, man. I've never, and I didn't even know that I was missing it on that level until it was put right in front of me, you know? Um, and so th- that was a big ins- inspiration for me because I want to try to do, my part in whatever way i can to provide that kind of experience for people too and you know and i know um we shouldn't need any reasons beyond just the sort of altruistic uh reasoning behind it but for for people who are you know uh naysayers about that kind of thing i think if you look at it also from just from a financial logistics standpoint whatever like the more representation we have the better you know it's a it's a rising tide raises all ships scenario right so um you know I mean Ms Marvel is about to come out on disney plus uh pretty soon, like that will be a huge boon for the corporate shareholders right like they're <laughs> they're gonna see a lot of people who didn't previously identify with or purchase their stuff or whatever are gonna you know so it's just like it's i feel like it's a win win scenario all around. There really is something out there for everyone, you know, to a large extent, and and the more we have of that, just the richer everything is, uh, you know. From a because think of how many people could have contributed amazing stuff to this this culture, you know, and these these niches that that just never had the impetus to because there was nothing for them to grab onto in it, you know um and now we have so many different things for so many different people and and it continues to grow and i think that we're all just going to be the beneficiaries of that so yeah it's it's an exciting time and there you know obviously there's oversaturation too i mean i never thought in my life i'd be tired of batman but (laughs) getting there you know i still love batman i mean i'm literally working on a line of dark knight trilogy action custom action figures right now but (laughs) um to uh, finish my tangential thought uh it's a great time
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you say like you said you're not you're not making it to make a movie but it was, obviously it's in the back of your mind because you know that is the age that we live in that if if there's a product right. out there and they see potential in it um it could go that way you never know i mean i'd love to see the Yeah, movie.
1: fingers crossed yeah i would i would love to uh make whatever money i can off of said movie and then make more comics you know that's yeah. <laughs> and obviously it would be cool too to see like oh man that's the thing i made and now it's translated into this other thing and it's got all these people who got paid more than i did to you know
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but uh no i mean that's the, that is the cool thing right it's like every everyone's looking for ip to to know translate because all this stuff is so big right now and and a lot of folks I think don't realize that comics have such a wide range in that way I mean you know we're talking about a a book that's an espionage sci fi thing you know it's not it's not uh superheroes or or horror you know I mean there's so many genres that that um comics can do and that's what I love about it it's like I've always enjoyed the experience of sitting down and just like watching a good movie you know and i feel like i can get that with certain books where you know especially like a like an original graphic novel you just sit down and cover to cover and you're like two hours later you know god that was that was a good time you know and then it goes on your shelf like your dvds do or whatever and you can revisit it anytime you want it's just a it's such a cool thing and to be able to do that with without a a, you know Movie or television budget just to sit down with your brain and your hand and a pencil or whatever. It's pretty, it's pretty cool.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, it is awesome. The fact that this product has come from your brain, from your thoughts, from your experiences through your talent. And there's this product out in the world that has come from your mind. It's an awesome thing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It's, and it's a privilege to be able to to you know make this kind of stuff and
0: you know it takes a
1: lot of hard work to get to the point where you will have people who say yeah we'll pay you to do that um Hmm. but uh once you do man if you can if you can keep your foot inside that doorway that's the (laughs) that's the goal you know yeah
0: because you've you made the decision as well to make um to make trailers you know comics book which is an amazing thing i was watching it earlier and it's It's not something that people usually do. Uh, Why was it that you made the decision to do that?
1: Well, um, and thank you, by the way, I it's important to me to meet people where they're at. And I don't know that we do enough of that in comics, like in in, in the industry as a whole. Right. Um, I think. A lot of comics has a kind of if if you build it, they will come mentality, uh, which that's the way it should be frankly because comics are amazing but you know we're competing with so many other things right now i mean even i mean look you know this the spider-man captain america movies they're the biggest movies in the world but the comics aren't the biggest selling periodicals in the world you know i'm sure they're up there amongst periodicals but uh you know that there's not the uh it's not a one to one thing unfortunately, right that the sales don't reflect the popularity of of movies there's certainly i think they help, but i you know I have anecdotal evidence that I've seen or heard that that you know there's usually a boost when those things come out, and then you know, so my thought was kind of like, well, if the movies are so big and if we're giving an experience that is not necessarily analogous but somewhat related in terms of you know. This, this sort of closed loop story. I mean, no pun intended, obviously. It's <laughs> retroactive, <laughs> but um, then, you know, we should we should give people something that is a little bit more, uh, you know, like I said, meeting them where they're at in terms of the way we consume things. I mean, social media right now is entirely based on short videos, right? I mean, every, TikTok became huge and everybody pivoted to try to, you know, YouTube has shorts, Instagram has reels, you know? So, uh, having, a, having an audio visual component, uh, to promote the book to me was just like a really important thing on that level. And also I just loved trailers, man. I'll sometimes I'll sit down and, you know, I don't know if you ever do this, but like, I'll, I'll go to find something to watch on, you know, Amazon prime or something. And I'll be scrolling through, i watch trailer watch trailer. and I'll end up watching as many trailers. And in that time I could have watched like an hour TV show or something. So, um yeah so i you know and and editing them together is just a blast and like it's it's difficult because you have to find panels that will work for the aspect ratio and whatnot and and it will tell the story without giving away too much and and so you're kind of you know threading a, a fine needle there but um yeah it's a lot of fun and and uh I think it's a, a good way to engage people. And I, you know, I've actually seen a lot more trailers now that I've been doing them. I mean, not to like toot my own horn, say I'm, you know, but I think, I think it's catching on a bit um, because it's frankly amazing that like Marvel and DC don't do that for a lot more of their stuff, you know, I mean, and they could put those things on YouTube and then they would get 500,000 views and that would generate them passive income, you know, and, and, but. Sales by and large have increased year after year over the last few years. Um, And the pandemic was actually a huge boom for for comic sales, specifically, I think graphic novels and like collected editions, Um, because people were home, you know, and it's like, well, we can't go anywhere. Might as well like read while we're here. Um, So, you know, the industry is strong. And I, I think it's easy to rest on laurels when when we go, ah, it's, you know, it's doing better, but it's like, it could be doing even more. And so, you know, in whatever little ways I can, as just being one person. I really try to, you know, push my own boundaries at least as, as much as I can so that, you know, I can try to transcend some of the, the sort of just like day-to-day stuff that we do and, and see if I can reach outside of my comfort zone a bit and, and, you know, maybe get some people interested who wouldn't have heard of it otherwise
0: have you ever considered like turning a full comic into like an entire movie in the same style that you do your trailers
1: you know i haven't but that's actually kind of a cool idea uh, <laughs> I'll,
0: have to, <laughs> I'll
1: have to think on that i you know i think you end up i think it would have to be something that was designed specifically for that experience hmm. because there's so much about comics that are inherent to the format, you know. Like, for example, if, if there's sort of the gestalt of taking in a whole page, right? And you know, one panel. One of the one of the most interesting things about comics, and Klaus Janson said something about this once, is that you can have a panel, and the panel that comes before it and after it are completely you know, can change the context of that panel. And that's something that only comics can really do in that way, because you are taking in the whole image of the page at once. Um, whereas if you're watching something on a screen, you see whatever's on the screen in that moment. And it's it's more of a passive, uh, you know, you're more of a passive recipient of that uh, than you are when you're reading comics and you're actively, you know, when you read comics, you control the pacing, right? I mean we as the artists do to an extent but ultimately it's on you to decide how fast you want to read it or you know your brain will will catch different visuals you know specific to you uh that another person's might not you know maybe maybe your eyes drawn into a favorite color or a word on the page that that has some resonance to you you know so i think making a comic in a in a video format would change that and i would have to find a way to do it uh, that doesn't like hurt that experience i think and isn't just like kind of a poor attempt at a cartoon or something you know (laughs) because we've all seen motion comics and you go like "Uh, this isn't really any better than just reading it you know like i feel like we've slow panned on this for like a few seconds too long i'm ready to move on or whatever you know uh, but I think there there's fertile ground there. And I think I think the first person to really crack it and figure it out is, you know, hopefully gonna be opening the gates for some some really cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, if you've come rich and famous off that idea, I will um hold this recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a check. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so where did it all begin for you then? Where do you remember sort of your first geek culture experience whether it was with comic books or or anything else
1: I do I mean it's a little blurry cuz i was so young and so i i can't remember entirely which came first but uh as a little kid i was shown the Christopher Reeve Superman movies um and then i was also given a couple of comic books around that same time and so i mean i i i want to say the movies came first i think that was my gateway probably Um, You know, I was born in 85. And by then, Superman's one and two were on VHS. I think if VHS was a thing, then (laughs) (laughs) I was certainly watching them when I was about four. Um, And then of course, you know, Superman four was out in 88, I believe. And so I was, you know, watching that and on a loop at home. that's my favorite superman movie and i I won't get into why but uh people people remember it being worse than it is i'll say that um but yeah so so those and then my first uh superman comic was john burns a man of steel number two and it came with a an audio cassette that had sound effects and voice actors doing the dialogue and that was a big part of how i learned how to read was matching up the word balloons and the panels to the dialogue on the tape Uh, and so yeah it was just off to the races from there and then you know also at a very young age Ninja Turtles came into my scope of uh interests and and you know so those toys and the cartoon and comic books and stuff so yeah I was uh I was early on subjected to that stuff and it it forever changed the trajectory of my life (laughs) it sort of went through different uh phases I guess like you know, I was very into Superman and Batman as a little kid. My other first Batman com- my other first comic was a Batman comic. It was Detective 600 something. Uh, I believe it was like a Marv Wolfman, Jim Aparo issue. Um, and, uh, you know, then the Batman 66 show was on in syndication. So I watched a lot of that. Um, and then I got really into Zorro. There was a Zoro TV show on that I was just fascinated by. And again, you know, a guy in a mask saving the day. Um, <laughs> and then I got a little bit older and got into video games a little bit, not a ton, but a, a neighbor kid had Mortal Kombat on the Sega Genesis. And I was transfixed. I couldn't believe like, you could have these real looking people fighting, you know, it was amazing. Ninjas come on. Right. So, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat was my entire existence for, you know, uh, the ages of like probably eight to, to 11 or so. And in that time I was, I was drawing Mortal Kombat characters constantly. I mean, I, I, I had more interfacing with, um, you know, magazines and, and like Mortal Kombat comic books and stuff than I did the actual games back then. Cause I didn't have a Sega you know, or a Super Nintendo. Um, and uh yeah and then you know for a while i got into other stuff you know as i got older i got really into soccer um football as as, you know the rest of the world calls it Um, uh and then you know which almost felt like a birthright thing because i'm middle eastern and you know it's like that's what you do (laughs) my my father was actually like semi-pro at one point and so i was raised with soccer around and then um and then, uh, you know, in high school, I got really into breakdancing. Uh, and so that was a thing for years and years. And still to this day, a little bit. Um, but uh, when Smallville came on the air, I, it reignited my my interest in Superman again. And from there, I started to discover comics again. Um, and then that, that was sort of the the thing that, you know, got me back into it. Um, and of course, you know, as a kid, I, the X Men cartoon, you know, the '90s cartoon was a huge thing for me as well. So I kind of went from, uh, you know, that and Mortal Kombat were around the same time. So I've always kind of had some sort of thing in the background at the very least that was, you know, geek culture related. Um, and then it was the it was the Smallville, you know, Superman resurgence in my life that that set me back on the course of reading comics and starting to draw them and whatnot. So.
0: So drawing was always sort of hand in hand as well. You would, you were always sort of replicating what you saw.
1: Yes. I, as as far back as I can remember, I've been into drawing. Um, and that was, that was a big part of my interaction with those characters was drawing. I mean, I, I remember when I first saw the X-Men cartoon, I just immediately drew Wolverine. Like, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know. I, I remember it was the very first episode I ever saw. And I was just like, I got to draw this guy, <laughs> so I've always kind of had that that impulse to, you know, oh, I love the thing. Let me make a, a facsimile of it to some degree, and that has since led into making custom action figures of things that I love as well. So I'm always kind of need this sort of outlet to sort of uh, express my appreciation for things by making small versions of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mentioned before obviously, about your um, your YouTube channel, in which you do show some of your techniques in this. It's fascinating to see that it's not, you're still finding outlets for this that are kind of pure enjoyment. As you say, you know, there is a certain amount of bringing people into your other forms as well, but you're, it's important to find pure enjoyment out of these things as well. It's not just work
1: absolutely um you know drawing was my hobby for my entire life and then it became my job and you know when when that happens and when you're essentially self-employed and you know you work from home and it it's it's very easy to lose sight of who you are and just do that thing all the time and uh with with you know making custom action figures i found a thing that was Something I love to do that was not just more work, you know, <laughs> so it's another creative outlet that that didn't have deadlines or, you know, other people waiting on me. Um, of course, I have found a way to kind of make it have flavors of, you know, so there's a little bit of work seasoning on top of it by <laughs> starting a YouTube channel. And now I do have to try to upload stuff and, you know, in a, in a reasonable uh, time frame and respond to people's uh questions and comments and things like that but it's fun and um but yeah it's so it, it has been really important for me to have this other kind of thing that i get to do that's not just more drawing because i would think i would just you know burn out
0: yeah that's interesting because I've, I've had conversation quite like, a few times with various different people about when you have a hobby that turns into a job and there are different levels to it obviously like you say, you get the phone calls, you get the emails, you get all the boring stuff, but it, depending on the person, it, the boundary between sort of the stuff they enjoy and all the boring stuff kind of moves a bit. But are you finding it's quite hard sometimes to keep the enjoyment in drawing?
1: No, thankfully not. I I do find that I it is more necessary these days for me to recharge. Um, you know, we just had a holiday weekend here in the States and I actually took the three days off to do, you know, I'm a bit of yard work in there as well, but mostly, (laughs) you know, uh, mostly just working on my figures and, and, you know, kind of knocking stuff off of that to-do list. And, uh, I woke up this morning, excited, excited to get back to drawing. And I think that's really important because it's very easy to just, Get lost in this sort of you know again quotidian slog of just okay wake up and do the thing and then you know um but the other nice thing about drawing for a living especially comics is that every page is a new thing you know so even if you're drawing the same book like there are different challenges on each page and you can find a different thing to look forward to with each one like oh i can't wait to draw that panel or you know in the book that i'm working on now there's sort of a, a bit of a slow burn at the beginning until we hit the kind of explosive action stuff, which is what I love to draw. And so, you know, I have that to look forward to as I go that I'm like, yeah, when I get 10 more pages in that's when I really get to, you know, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's always kind of about finding the next thing to look forward to and, and now more than before, like recharging the batteries.
0: Hmm. Cause you write as well, of course do you find do you find sometimes it takes the enjoyment away from comics even if the writing or the or the art you're like i wouldn't do it that way that's no No, you could have made that better
1: yeah (laughs) yeah all the time uh and i i hate to say that because you know i don't i don't want to be uh defaulting to a position where i'm being judgmental about you know my uh my colleagues work or anything but yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff that uh kind of jingles my spurs a little bit when i'm <laughs> reading comics you know and i'm just like ah, that, you know what okay like that, that's and i've i've caught some heat for some of it before because there's are certain digital shortcuts that people use you know when when drawn digitally that that they're just ubiquitous and i think they look bad and i can't stand seeing them because and i get it you know deadlines right i mean i have them too but um and you know sometimes you just got to get the thing done but i think i think all in all like there's just kind of there's a there's a shift happening with comics with a lot of the visual stuff and i you know it's just one of those things where i just have to kind of get over it <laughs> you know like it's happening and, uh, you know, I can either choose to be, you know, a little sour on it, or I can go, you know what, people are liking it, let's just let's just enjoy the ride, you know, like I can, when I do mine, I can make them how I want everyone else gets to do what they do. And I don't, I don't get to be, you know, cranky about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, to, your, to answer your question more specifically, yeah, there's a lot, you know, uh, we drawing comics takes so much time and as such the free time you get is is minimal and so you know when you take a chance on something and this is goes with comics or movies or a tv show or whatever you know you you put the time into something that you hope will be give you a return on investment for that time you're putting into it and when it doesn't like that's always kind of a bummer you know um but i i've tried to become more. uh content with the notion that like you know what it's just not for me and it's not time wasted it's me honing my specific tastes and eventually i'll know right off the bat that that's not something that's for me and i can find something that is you know
0: yeah yeah i have to say i've found that the digital side of thing i think the more people try to use digital art to make it look like it's not a drawing really annoys me, I found. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, you
1: know, because I'm so, uh, I have such a, uh, I'm very aware of it, right? I mean, as as an artist myself, right? Uh, it's interesting to hear that it pings on your radar as well. Um, as a reader, I mean, is that... What about it? Are, is that and it's, it's very hard to articulate, but is it kind of an uncanny valley sort of uh thing, or like what is it for you that makes you go like? Ugh.
0: I think it's that idea of we're trying to show off what we can do, and that's too much detail for not any real reason, and it's I think it's that kind of thing where. Right, sure. uh, they try and use all the shaders and try and make it like we can do this so we should. Well, sometimes I just think maybe take a step back and think what is it that you're trying to create rather than what technology you're trying to show off. I think is what my brain's trying to come from it.
1: Sure. Yeah, there there is a there's a lot to the less is more approach, I think. Mm. And, you know, I think sometimes when we learn a new technique or when when new technology becomes available, you know, it's easy to go, oh let me let me see what this bad boy can do, right? Yeah. And <laughs> you kind of throw it all in there. And you know, sometimes there are too many ingredients in that stew, right? And it's a yeah. little bit like, oh, you know what, this doesn't taste as good as when it's just kind of a simpler thing. So I, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah. Um and you know, that's not to say I some people will hear this kind of thing and misconstrue it as as you know saying like oh well digital is bad not at all not at all i mean i worked digitally for a year straight on you know 12 issues of comics um you know and it was a wonderful time saver and you can do some really beautiful stuff in that and you know for me personally i i still enjoy the you know ink on paper aspect of drawing and that's like that's just the, the part of it for me that uh i get the enjoyment out of but Uh, you know, I'm, I, my process is 50% digital. I do all the layout planning of the pages on the computer first, uh, you know, drawing them on the Cintiq monitor to get the placement right. And that way, if the editor has any notes, I can, you know, resize things or, or, you know, nudge this here or there without having to redraw everything. And so it's a, it's a really powerful tool and, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful advent to, and I mean, you know, yes, it uses electricity, but saves on paper, right? So it's like maybe there's some environmental uh, you know, pluses there. Um and there's people who do incredible, incredible stuff digitally. I think, I think it's like any tool, right? It can be misused or or overused. And you know, it's kind of like when GPS became a thing in our vehicles, right? Like we used to just know how to get places and now it's like we all just type it in and let it take us there. And you know, sometimes like there's no substitute for just knowing where you are. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, the more and more signs I see that pop up like on road signs saying, do not follow your GPS. The more I get depressed. It's like, okay, sure. I'm going to follow the GPS off a cliff. Why not? Yeah. See here in America, we call that freedom, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) The the American don't don't
1: tell me where I can't go, what I can't follow.
0: No, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's amazing.
1: I, you know, I suppose I don't live in a in a cliffy area, but I think if I did, I'd, I'd see a few more of those signs, you know. Yeah. That's uh well you've heard I mean I've heard of stuff people follow them right into lakes or ponds or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's that idea that technology technology is great and it can be used to enhance what you're doing. But sometimes we should remember it's not always there to replace what you're doing because like you say you can you can do amazing things using the two side by side
1: yeah and and uh you know the technology does keep getting better and and it's it's finding more ways to approximate the real thing Mm. um which is great and people are using it to wonderful wonderful results i'm still on the journey of trying to get the physical media to do what I wanted to do you know so (laughs) I feel like maybe once I really get that down I'll I'll give digital a try and you know but for now it's like I'm still climbing that mountain and I'm (laughs) I'm enjoying it so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay the course
0: yeah so you're working in it for your day job you break away you enjoy comics in your time off even though some people annoy you um so what is it that you, what does what does it do for you? What what do comic books do for you? What do you get out of them? That's a really
1: good question. I don't know that I've thought about it on the level of articulating a, an explanation to it. So I'm glad you asked. I think the escapism is is one thing, you know, especially nowadays. I mean, it's like everything sucks and you know, there's any any kind of little vignettes you can uh you know escape into are, are are wonderful um the craft of it still really uh speaks to me in a lot of ways i mean i i love i for, okay for example um the uh Sean Phillips Ed Brubaker Reckless books um i don't know if you're familiar with them they're this kind of PI series set in like the 70s and 80s Los Angeles that they have been doing maybe 80s i guess um and they're just they're fantastic, I mean, it's kind of what I was speaking to earlier, where you just get this experience. you could sit down and immerse yourself in a story um, i I think uh getting to appreciate the way that people use the craft, um reading things from a standpoint of what can I learn from this to get better at what I do for a living uh and what I'm passionate about uh and i just I just love. You know, there there are parts of it that are hard to articulate into words, but I think just overall, like, just, I just love it. I love the way it feels when you read one that's good and you like, oh, man, that was great. You know, um, I love I love being surprised by by stories. You know, I mean, that's the thing. So many movies and shows are based on existing properties nowadays that like oftentimes in, in comics, you can it's it's brand new you know because a lot of times that's the source material for these things so um you know i mean for example there are a few shows that i watch you know on amazon or what have you that are based on book series that i like like you know prose books and it's really cool to see them translated, but i know what's going to happen because i'm familiar with the books already you know um and so with the comics like there's genuine surprise still available uh that i don't get in a lot of other mediums so yeah i think all of the above plus some things that i'll probably think about you know 15 minutes from now and i have <laughs> <laughs> already answered the question
0: <laughs> yeah because it sounds even like you say the the way that you would immediately start drawing the things that you you like you the creativity the process obviously speaks to you do you think it was because obviously you've started writing as well. Do you think that was part of it as well? Trying to build up that understanding of the process and the whole picture of it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think also there are certain things that I want to draw that, if I want to draw them, I have to write them. You know, uh, when you're collaborating with a writer in comics, you're you're translating their ideas and not your own. A lot of the times. You know, with a good collaboration, it becomes a melding of the two, of course, but, you know, the, the germ of the idea generally starts with somebody else and you're effectively playing a visual guessing game, a very laborious guessing game, really, <laughs> where you're trying to uh, uh, translate what they thought about like a month ago or whatever, you know, um, and everybody has a different visual imagination and I think uh, uh, A lot of times, you know, visual artists have have a stronger visual imagination than someone whose job is to write. And so sometimes what they imagine doesn't always translate well because they're not as much of a visual thinker or, you know, I mean, that's one one example. But um, and not to put a blanket statement on writers, of course, but uh, I found for me being able to think of a sequence or, or, you know, tell a whole story. Um, with my own sensibilities and and the way that I see it working comes to me way more naturally. And it is just a lot more fun to realize on the page. Uh, So ultimately getting the writing was, was, was something I wanted to do because I love telling stories, but it was also a means to really put my best foot forward and kind of draw the stuff that I get excited about. And that I think, uh, you know, my unique perspective will allow me to get across in the best way I can because I you know for my part I'm trying to do the kind of books that aren't really out there you know like there aren't a lot of graphic novels that are sort of a kind of like cinematic experience in the way that I'm trying to to bring to the table um, that are this kind of like one and done, you know, different genres, different uh, subject matter. Like, you know, you kind of get in and get out, and and you know, have a, a an experience that isn't as common. So that, you know, that's something that I I really try to do. And I, you know, going back to the trailers as well, like that's not something that people really do a lot of. And so, you know, I'm trying to bring unique stuff to the, to the table that I feel like is just kind of inherent to my thought processes and the things that I enjoy and then hope that it resonates with people.
0: Hmm. Have you thought about sort of other ways that you can try and dabble? Does the way your brain works, you must have some other idea in your head where you're thinking, oh, I wonder if I could sort of do this as well when it would enhance it even more. I would love to get into
1: animation. Um, but not, you know, I don't really want to make like full cool features or anything, although that would be cool. But uh, I would love to use that as a as a way to like if I could do an animated trailer for my books, like that would just be incredible, you know, like a you know, almost almost I don't want to say anime-esque, but you know, anime tends to really push the boundaries of action and motion in animation. Um but I'm not in this as into like the, the visual stylings of like the character designs and stuff. If I could find a way to meld what I do with that kind of dynamic movement and animation to create like a, you know, shorts or, or, um, you know, trailers for, for my stuff. That would, that's something I really aspire to. You know, we see it a little bit here and there, but I, I think not employed in the way I'm envisioning a lot of it is, I don't know what I don't know. So, I mean, it, once I actually start going down that rabbit hole, it could be like a whole other career that I'd have to be starting just to get to the point of making one of those. So might not happen, but I also would love to make uh, a line of action figures like that are unique and and new to the world and, you know, have some cool interactive properties. That's something I've, I've been talking a lot with my close friend about. So, um, you know, that's something that is like, uh, we should do that, but who knows when we'll have the time and the funds and whatnot. But yeah, I'm, I'm always, you know, trying to think of like the next thing I can do that will be sort of the next step, step in evolution mm. of the stuff that I'm into.
0: The curse of the creative mind, but it's what gets I'll tell you, you man, to the next point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is, but it's funny. Like I can never, nothing can never be easy. You know, I like, I'm always like, I like I, like I mentioned, I spent the weekend like painting these tiny little action figure heads and it's like of course you know i can't just do it in a simple paint job i have to like well if i if i you know spatter different flesh tones onto the head sculpt it will give the approximation of like modeled splotchy skin and you know <laughs> so it's like and then i like i did a i did a michael kane as alfred uh figure this weekend and you know, I'm painting the head. And I'm going, okay, well, he's an older gentleman. So, you know, he had that kind of like dirty blonde hair underneath. The, you know, you can still can see under the gray. So if I layer the paint on in this way, I can approximate that. It's like, you could just paint it a gray color and call it a day, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm always, uh, everything's got to be a project with me. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll get around and making my life more difficult in some way.
0: <laughs> but that's what separates you from... Like the other person who grew up just doodling the things that they enjoyed it's that mindset and that's what got you to where you are
1: i i suppose so yeah i mean you know i i grew up uh you know fairly uh poor so it was like i had to make a lot of stuff if i wanted it you mm. know i think that was a big part of uh becoming like a creative kid was you know uh I mean, I would make toys back then, even. So, um, yeah, I think think it just became part of my sort of survival instinct of this, like, climbing without the rope thing. And as a result, like, I always have to do the most instead of, you know. But I guess nothing that's worth doing is easy, right? That's the old adage.
0: Yeah. It'd be nice if it was, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is. It's fascinating your mindset, but it also it completely makes sense because it's got you to where you are, and you've done amazing things, and you have amazing things, obviously around the corner. Well, thank you. Just waiting for for it to happen. I hope so.
1: Fingers crossed. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep climbing. You know.
0: <laughs> for people who are kind of uncertain about giving comic books a try, giving geek culture a try. What has, kind of building on what we said before, What what's the power of them? What have they done for you? And what have they done for, for people in general? Why should people give them a try?
1: Well, I think, you know, very important to this day and age, especially, there is generally an underlying theme in most things geek culture of, you know, hope and aspiration and doing the right thing. Um, you know whether it be star wars or transformers or you know batman or what have, superman like it's usually about somebody or a group of people against the odds trying to triumph over evil right and we could sure use a lot of that you know in the real world right now and i think i think there is a lot of that going on and people working very hard and and i think uh you know that kind of stuff makes you feel more hopeful and and a little bit more empowered and um you know for me personally uh, i'm a pretty nihilistic individual so if i can you know sort of jump from uh escapism to escapism (laughs) in a way that makes me feel good enough about forward momentum then i'll take it you know so uh, as somebody who struggles with that, like I think, I think if anyone else finds themselves in a similar position, that there's a lot for them to, you know, take away from it, from geek culture and, and the things that you know represent it. I was, uh, I was always very into the the sort of you know goody goody team leader type of characters. Like I always loved Cyclops from the X Men and Superman, of course, and and I think that that stuff really helped cement my moral compass in a lot of ways. I think I was lucky enough to sort of have one built in to me somehow. Um, So I didn't necessarily learn it from those things, but it it definitely provided some echolocation for me in that respect, you know? And uh, I mean, as somebody who uh, was raised with religion, but from an early age found that it wasn't really for me, like, the idea of doing the right thing because it's the right thing and, you know, was, was always sort of reinforced by these characters that I loved. And so um, I think, you know, in, in some way, like it was a, a big constant for me in terms of just sort of like maintaining a, a sense of like moral purpose in life.
0: You can find Ibrahim on Twitter at Ibrahim underscore M underscore and Instagram at Ibrahim underscore M underscore art. Be sure to do a search on YouTube for Ibrahim Mustafa to discover his amazing work with custom action figures. You can find more information about his latest graphic novel, Retroactive, at retroactive.com, where you can view the amazing trailer and find links for where you can purchase it. As always, thank you for listening. You can contact the show at Era of Geek on social media or head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek. If you like the show, please do leave a review and tell your friends. You can also leave a review on podchaser.com.